1: Are you thinking about starting a podcast but don't know where to start? Let me take a second to tell you about Anchor by Spotify. It's the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need, all in one place. Anchor has tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. When hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast across a plethora of listening platforms such as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, all the big ones. It's everything you need to make a podcast, all in one place. And best of all, completely free. If you're thinking about starting a podcast, do yourself a favor and check out anchor.fm or download the app to get started. Hey, everyone. If you're enjoying Inquiries of Our Reality, I'd really appreciate it if you could drop a review or rating, and I'll give you a shout out on the show. While you're at it, come join the Telegram group and follow the show on Instagram and across social media. If you'd like to support the show, check me out over on Patreon for early access to Inquiries of Our Reality and Big Dumb Inquiries which is the Swapcast show I co-host with Kyle Rainey of the Big Dumb Podcast. If you'd like to pick up some merch, come check out the merch store. If you want to help me out to upgrade my equipment and pump out even more awesome content for you guys, come donate over on Anchor or Kofi. And last but not least, if anyone is interested in being a guest on the show, sponsoring the show, has a topic they want covered, or you feel you have something to contribute to the show, send me an email at inquiriesofallrealitypodcasts at outlook.com. All the links I mentioned are in the show description. Just tap or click the Linktree link to be directed. Thanks, everyone. I appreciate you, and I couldn't be doing this without you. Now enjoy the show. The reality we live in can be a very strange place. Most of the time, fact being stranger than fiction. How will we ever start to understand this reality we live in unless we question everything? Join me and a guest as we unravel the mysteries of this reality, one topic at a time. This is Inquiries of Our Reality with Shane Jones. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the now 20th episode of Inquiries of Our Reality. Today with me, I have Jahan Sator, and he is a mindful teacher, a truth teller, subconscious self-sabotage coach, and also the host of Boundless Authenticity Podcast. How's it going today, man?
0: Hey, it's going great. Thanks for having me on.
1: I appreciate you coming on the show today, man. Awesome. So uh, I guess to get started, why don't you tell everybody a little bit about what you do? Yeah,
0: so... I'm a mindfulness teacher, a truth teller, subconscious self-sabotage coach, and host of the Boundless Authenticity Podcast. Uh, My work consists of helping people figure out how to cultivate mindfulness in the everyday life and actually deal with the negative automatic thoughts about the external world and all of the programs that they have going on in their head so that they can actually operate from inner peace. And uh, you know, live their life with a greater purpose and passion. Uh, the majority of what I actually do is centered around like counseling and talk therapy. I also do relationship coaching and self-sabotage coaching and subconscious reprogramming. I give meditation classes, mindfulness classes. I do belief coaching, which uses neurolinguistic programming and a little bit of hypnotherapy cognitive behavioral therapy based belief work breath mastery and sometimes I even do health coaching and uh what that really means is that i just use these different modalities to teach people how to remove disempowering thoughts and beliefs from their subconscious mind so that they don't carry out uh you know they don't carry out less than favorable emotional consequences in their life and they don't create like chaotic circumstances for themselves And it's a lot to do with changing internal dialogue and clearing harsh memories and emotions and deleting useless information from the subconscious mind and then putting useful information back into the subconscious mind. And uh, when I teach meditation, it's all about how to meditate, when to meditate, why you have certain thoughts and feelings during meditation, and how to handle that.
1: So I guess a good question to start off at the beginning. How would you describe the subconscious mind in your own words?
0: The subconscious mind is that part of you that's responsible for your bodily functions, but it's also a scanning device. So it's scanning the environment for repeating patterns. And it wants to know what the common things are in your environment. wants to know what everybody else is doing because that's what it considers to be safe. It's very concerned with safety. And so in that way, the subconscious mind is like a hard drive. And It stores information in the form of these programs. And why that's important is because the majority of the day, when you think you're thinking, you're really only operating from about 1% to 5%, if you're lucky, of your conscious awareness. And the rest of your life is being dictated by what's in your subconscious programming. So that means that 95% to 99% of your day is coming from the subconscious and if you have negative information in your subconscious mind then you're creating negativity in your own life and you're self sabotage
1: how would you say that this rules our lives well it rules your
0: life in a very obvious way because if you have a program that says drink alcohol until you're blue in the face then you're going to drink alcohol until you're blue in the face. If you have a program that says, let me give a much better example and, and an exact example of what I deal with a lot in my work. It's people have a program that says I am enough. No. And you would think that the program would be, I am not enough, but you see the word no comes at the end of it because that's how the subconscious mind thinks and processes information in a very strange way. So, if you have the program, I am enough. No, then you're going to self sabotage every time you get into a good relationship or a good job or something because you're going to act in a way that makes you very, uh, it makes you very insecure. And uh, the best way to put it is, it'll cause you to push away good opportunities. It'll cause you to ruin everything that you have because. What insecure people do is that they depend on external circumstances to dictate who they are and they're not operating from their true level of consciousness. They're not acting as though they're a person who understands that we're just a ball of light somewhere in the front of our head that's animating this whole vessel. What happens is that anything can come along and knock you off course. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah.
1: So flipping the coin a little bit, how would you describe the conscious mind?
0: So the conscious mind is just that part of you that stops you from bumping into shit. (laughs) (laughs) Conscious mind, it's it's creative. So consciously you can look at something and you can make decisions using the conscious mind. But whatever is in the subconscious mind, because again, let's use the 5% to 95% ratio. The maximum amount of your conscious mind that you're capable of using is 5%. And it can, only, uh, it can only take in about 140 bits of information in a second. But the subconscious mind is communicating to your 60 to 70 trillion cells about 6 trillion commands per second. And so the subconscious is holding all those things that make you who you are and right? they make you behave the way that you behave. So anything can come along and make changes to this part of your mind and whatever quality of information it is if it's negative it'll cause problems if it's good information it can create good results
1: so uh what other external forces uh do you think affect both our subconscious and conscious mind
0: oh i think we're affected by just about everything simply because of what i said before it's a scanning device and the majority of the day you are out of conscious awareness and you're in subconscious program. And we all know that there are a myriad of different stressors. It doesn't matter who you are or how centered you are. If you're the freaking Dalai Lama, you still have stress in some way. And when you're under stress or in an emergency, you begin to operate from the subconscious mind because it can process so much more data than just the conscious mind. So that's that's the trap.
1: So coming from that, Um, From your perspective, what is something that people can do to uh, help with this stress so it doesn't affect their mind in such a drastic way?
0: Well, you know, what I meant to say is that to go along with all of that is that you are, and when I say you, I mean everybody in general, myself included. We are being pulled towards these subconscious programs which belong to everyone else. And when I say it belongs to everyone else, we're getting this from the media, we're getting it from our respective cultures, whether it's family culture, um, whether it's the culture of the country we live in, whether we prefer rock and roll culture over rap culture. All of those things are telling us how to behave. And everything that we are exposed to, because in psychology, we have this theory of, Stimulus versus response. And so everything that we're exposed to, it creates a cause and effect relationship. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, we get told how to behave when we're at school. We don't really understand how to make our own decisions when we become adults because uh, we're essentially just trained to look for authority and we're trained to take orders. And we pretty much execute behaviors that give us a positive reward. So when I say that, the reason why you don't want to deal with something that's tough in your head is because you know by avoiding it, you get to stay happy. You get to stay what you think is happy. You get to stay safe what you think is safe. So you just don't want to feel the momentary pain that comes along with feeling an emotion. And so you would avoid that. And so for you, that's the positive reward and even when we do things that are evil, we get a positive reward. So it's kind of like a cup of coffee. You drink that cup of coffee and you go, oh, man, that's what I needed to wake up. I feel great now. And you get a positive reward for that. So it could be anything, any behavior that you like. You, in fact, you might not even like the behavior, but you might just like the reward that you get. Everything is just based on that. How am I going to get up? positive reward how am I going to feel like that this feeling of safety is reinforced by doing what I do or saying what I say right yeah
1: so like considering the way that the world is going today do you think that there is intentional negative programming all around us that is trying to pull us away from the happy thoughts
0: it's definitely doing that every single day in every single way forever (laughs) it's been it's been going on for a long time I mean I love to say I love to say the quote by Jimi Hendrix because people think that listening to music is a healthy thing, and we get told that consuming music is a really great thing and it's something that we should do. But it's really a learned behavior. Uh, before that, in times gone by, we would make our own music. We would bang on some shit. You know, join a drum circle, figure out how to make an instrument, and just you know, create our own music, create our own stories. Uh, do our own thing and, and, and move energy in that way and use our inherent creativity. But nowadays, most people believe that these things are beyond them. And so they rely on creators of music to fill that void for them. And so what Jimi Hendrix said, through music, you can hypnotize people. And when you get them at their weakest point, you can preach into their subconscious what we want to say. So when you listen to the last part of that, We can preach into their subconscious what we want to say. Well, who the hell is we? (laughs) So as soon as you start asking that question, then you're like, well, Jimi Hendrix, who, you know, just wanted to know where Joe was going with that gun in his hand. He doesn't, you know, he doesn't really seem to be very interested in me after all, because he wants to preach stuff into my head. And why is that? So, you know, nobody, nobody that's on the other side of a screen or up on a stage anywhere whether they intend to or not is really doing something to you that is of service. Because as soon as you look up on that stage, as soon as you put your head in that position, your, your chin faces up, you begin to go into a hypnotic trance. And as it is, the music has a hypnotic effect on you. It's a hypnotic rhythm. So it can hypnotize you and paralyze you. And the same thing goes for watching television. Uh, television is the, <laughs> the worst form of it because we, th- we also think that that's something that's uh, you know, it's fun to do. Going to watch a movie with your friend or watch TV with your kids, think that's fun. But what's really happening is that's brainwashing. And there's a lot of people that kind of yell at me and they're like, oh, well, I can consciously watch TV. I'm aware. And then I say, okay, well that's great but you don't understand how it works you don't understand how it's a weapon against your consciousness
1: Just and, the name tell a vision and then you watch programs on the tell a vision like the wording yeah game. you
0: know i know and, and that's the thing about it when people yell at me because a lot of these people know that they've heard that before and yet they still haven't yet put two and two together as to what that actually means And television in general is incredibly destructive to your cognitive function. And the thing about it is is that the people inside the TV tell you this all the time, but then they do everything that they can to keep you watching the TV. Haven't you noticed that? So uh, it's like 40% of three-month-olds in America are regular TV watchers. A third of all three-year-olds in America have a TV in their bedrooms, right? So you are... You are exposed to this thing from the time you were a kid. I mean, when I was growing up, there was Sesame Street, freaking Reading Rainbow, the Magic School Bus, all this stuff that we used to watch. And we'd spend hours in front of the TV and not not realizing that it was adding up. And so all the research tells us that if the average kid spends nearly 45 hours a week watching television, And nowadays, they're consuming other forms of media through some kind of screen, because most kids have a phone or access to a tablet or a computer. They're going to have problems later on in life learning. They're going to have problems at school. They're going to end up with drug and alcohol and tobacco use, vaping, you name it. They're going to end up with obesity, and they're going to start displaying inappropriate sexual behavior. And the reason for that is that kids need to interact with their environment and interact with people in order to develop healthy cognitive function. And when a kid is watching television and they're just watching something that's harmful, like Sesame, sorry, not harmful like Sesame Street or so they say, they're still witnessing violent acts. They're still witnessing things with you know, sexual innuendo and stuff in it because that's a part of the programming. They try to mask these things as being a learning experience. But here we have fucking Elmo telling you to get vaccinated, right? So <laughs> you know, we, don't, you know, we don't know what we don't know as parents and we're especially innocent as kids. So we just think we're you know, doing what normal people do, right? But we're just messing up our whole life. And it's something like the average kid would have witnessed 12,000 violent acts, including murder and rape by the end of grade school. And they would also have witnessed 14,000 sexual acts. And kids really can't handle those kinds of things. It, it does something to their personality that changes them forever. And it's, the television in itself damages kids because before the age of three, it's the sequencing of the television programming, the, the flicker rate of the TV, that actually conditions that child's mind to expect extremely high levels of input and then later on in life they have problems uh paying attention to anything it's because to them the reality that we live in it doesn't compare to what's on the screen so you know kids are there's some really messed up statistics like two hours of tv a day before the age of three um means that a kid is going to be 20% more likely to have attention problems at age seven compared to a kid who didn't watch any TV. And it's, it's, it's ignorant. That's the word I really want to use. It's really ignorant when people believe that these shows are educational because they don't go and look for the research to find out what it is they're actually doing to their kids. And I'm saying that because a lot of parents are really well intentioned and they just, you know, maybe they just want to make the kid happy or maybe they have something important that they have to do. So they've got to keep the kid quiet. You know, we see these parents on the airplanes, they want to keep the kid quiet. So they just put a tablet in front of the kid or something. And that's just silently messing up the kid's brain because a child up until the age of seven has so many synapses, double the amount of an adult because it has to learn all of this information and adapt to the environment in order to survive, right? And it has these myelin sheaths, which uh, are developed as neural pathways fire, and these myelin sheaths actually strengthen those pathways. So around age seven, as the kid's preparing for its next phase of learning and development, from seven to 14, there's an enzyme that's released, which dissolves those sheets, which haven't been developed properly. So if a kid is in front of a television, and there's no real interaction going on, even for a few minutes, they're destroying their cognitive function. And if they're brought up in a household where watching television is going on from the time they get home, until the time they go to sleep, then it's no wonder that we have so many instances in the daily life where we bump into people that seem like they're not all there or they seem like they just are lacking smarts somehow, or maybe they're like you know you see them going along and it's like they can't even do basic mathematics or they can't read well or they can't answer simple questions because their cognitive function has been severely destroyed by what's coming through the screen, and so that's just a physical effect that I could talk about. I mean, in adults, it's just as nuts because even if you think you're consciously aware, there's a really strange thing that's happening. uh, The brain is cycling through these various brainwave states daily and it's going through Delta, which is deep sleep, Beta, which is light sleep, and Alpha, which is relaxation. And then we have the, the Beta state, which is high functioning activity. Like right now we're having a conversation and you're trying to interpret what I'm saying, and I'm, I'm saying stuff for you, so we're both in beta. But in it's less than 60 seconds, the brain switches brainwave states. And when you are in alpha brainwave, you become suggestible. So, like, the television affects the brain in this very specific way. The frontal lobe gets bypassed within 60 to 90 seconds, because remember I just told you in less than 60 seconds, the brain switches brainwave state. So it goes from your ability to logically process information down to zero activity whatsoever. The frontal lobe gets completely bypassed. And why that's significant is the frontal lobe is the home of the prefrontal cortex, which is responsible for your willpower, your morality, your spirituality, your impulse control and your ability to future think and your ability to rationally analyze things. And the consciousness hangs out in the prefrontal cortex, which is actually a big thing because now I can actually say this one thing that's very important. Our consciousness is under attack all the time. And so our subconscious mind is the target.
1: So the idea that I'm getting is that it seems like there's a there's a movement to suppress the people's minds almost so that you could create power out of weaker-minded people because they can be more easily manipulated through the way that their subconscious works.
0: That's absolutely it because, you know, within 60 to 90 seconds of the TV being on and you looking at it, it's suppressing your frontal lobe. And what happens is that there's a a lot of uh, studies that have been done like by the universities out there, psychology. And they tell you that a lot of depression and anxiety, it doesn't come from external stimuli, like some problem in the person's life. It's actually generated by the suppression of this frontal lobe, right? Because when you decrease that activity in the frontal lobe, then it affects your cognition in a way that that you start to feel sad or you start to feel really jittery and you you don't know what's going on. So stupid stuff happens like when you watch a movie or something, the brain is trying to process so many images that are rapidly moving in one second. And in order to process that influx of information, it literally can't do anything else. And so the prefrontal cortex has to be deactivated, right? So the people that know this understand psychology and they understand neuroscience better than anybody else. And so all this stuff about needing to watch television and needing to watch movies and needing to listen to music and stuff like that, they know that it has these detrimental effects on us. And what they do is they use propaganda to tell us that uh, studies say that listening to music is good for the brain. They do things like educational programs are good for kids. They tell you that, you know, watching movies and TV is relaxing and... And so they make all of the things that are bad for us sound like really fun and sound like it's good for us. But those surveys and those research papers that say that these things are good are paid for by the people that want to kill us (laughs) to keep it simple. Right. You know, there's this really weird thing that happens that when the prefrontal cortex is deactivated, it tricks you into thinking that you're relaxed. And it it also is responsible for that feeling of getting lost in a good movie and you know you don't even a movie doesn't even have to be good or it doesn't have to make sense for you to get that feeling of getting lost in it because the prefrontal cortex is going to deactivate within 90 seconds and just to show how silly that is there was actually a, a test conducted i think it was fifty-four hundred movie watchers and 82 percent of those people misinterpreted what they watched when they were asked what they watched after and so I'm saying that to get to this point, which is really important. Because this prefrontal cortex is deactivated completely, even if you're watching a comedy and you're laughing along with it or you're watching a sad movie and you start to cry, even though you're having a reaction to it and all of this seems normal in your body and in your mind, you literally cannot disagree with the information. You're blindly accepting the input that's going into your brain and you cannot overwrite any of the information, even if you violently disagree with it. So your limbic system then gets activated because the limbic system can't tell the difference between what is real and what is on any screen. So the limbic system gets screwed up and it can't tell what's going on uh, in reality or what's on the screen. And that's gonna stress you out. It's gonna put you in a fight or flight and it's gonna create stress in the body. So Yes, laughter is good for you, but imagine that you're you're watching a comedy on TV, and you're laughing, and you're stressed out because your limbic system can't handle that, and you're stressed out because your brain is overtaxed because the prefrontal cortex is shut off, right? So, when again, back to that thing when people tell me, I can consciously watch whatever I want. It doesn't affect me. Well, then you're wrong because it's affecting you at a micro level, which is going on to screw up your health in the long term, right? So... Um, that's how they get us, man. That's how they get us because television just puts you in a hypnotic state. And if you ask any good hypnotherapist, they'll tell you that hypnosis is just overwhelming your, your mind so that it turns off and it allows a new idea to be accepted. So if you want to go and stop smoking through hypnosis or something like that, that hypnotist has to overwhelm your system and shut off your brain in a way that you will accept the concept that stopping smoking is better for you than whatever the reward is you get for smoking. Does that make sense to you?
1: Yeah, that makes complete sense. Actually, to really back to what you were saying, I noticed something within myself, too, that I was a big avid anime watcher for a long time. And uh, everybody knows how like flashy, fast every episode of most animes are, especially when they're doing fighting and stuff. So I kind of noticed that I wasn't retaining things as well um, as I was spending a lot of time watching anime. And so I, within the last couple months, started spending that time that I was watching anime and started reading books more. And uh, just in that time, I've noticed that I pick up on things way better. Um, My memory for things is a lot better as far as reading versus video go. And then I also noticed that I definitely feel way more relaxed and ready for bed when I do something like reading a book versus watching TV.
0: Yeah. Yeah, man. It's crazy. And, you know, not not to attack anime watchers, but anime is one of the worst things that you can watch for the reason you just listed, but also because as an art form, it's so well constructed that it can make scenarios come across to your mind much more readily acceptable and digestible than even real people acting out that same circumstance or same scene. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, and the other thing that I was going to mention too is the fact that a lot of anime has a lot of subliminal messaging in it in the aspect that it references a lot of uh, things that relate back to alchemy and occult knowledge. And it also has a lot of uh, demonic presence within the shows. That No matter what show you watch, there ends up being some sort of uh, bad guy that's demonic in a sense. So I feel like there's a lot of things that are intentionally getting slipped into your subconscious watching anime. Like a lot of the people that are making it probably know what they're doing or at least some of them know what they're doing and the rest of them just think it's something cool that they're doing but there's definitely a far there's a there's an ulterior motive to what they're doing by making anime and another big one that i wanted to mention too is like rap music i feel that there's definitely a big pull with that where it's repressing people to think that a lot of the things in the music is okay when in reality it's not but they're trying to suppress the group of people that listen to rap to do these things in order to put more people into the prison system because everybody knows in America, we have a private prison system and you make money by people being in prison.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a crazy thing because uh, music is just a way of um, making propaganda more fun. If you listen to any artist uh, that's on a major label, the chances are they're they're not singing lyrics that came strictly from them or they're given topics to sing about, which feed into the culture. And the culture always shapes imitative learning. So the, the big up record label executives know exactly what behaviors they want people to play out. And the same goes for the people in Hollywood. They want people to mimic particular behaviors. And uh, there's actually a video on my BitChute channel, Boundless Authenticity, that if you type in hacking the subconscious mind, it will come up. And I actually put together a bunch of clips that show you how neurolinguistic programming and hypnosis is used in movies like marvel avengers to pre-program people to accept the idea that there's a virus with a measuring tape that's killing people right
1: i say so, to elaborate on it a little bit
0: yeah so if you watch any good mentalist or if you watch um any movie And you get really good at noticing what's in the background of the movies. You'll notice that in every movie, there's a reference to coffee, alcohol, sex. And it's not always right in front of your face. It's not always in the dialogue that's uh, obvious to you. It's somewhere in the background. And so because the subconscious mind is a scanning device, the subconscious mind is picking up whatever is behind you. So Let's use the Marvel Avengers as an example because I've just mentioned that. People can type it up and go look for it and see for themselves what I'm saying. There's a scene where Chris Evans' character, Captain America or whatever his name is, uh, Samuel L. Jackson's character is talking to him and He's in the middle of what looks like Times Square. And he turns around and behind him, you can see the hypnotic spiral in pink. Over his shoulder in one direction, you can see the coronavirus spike protein. And then over his other shoulder, you see a doctor and a face mask. And then you see the Corona beer logo in the background. So all they have to do is put these images in the background and put some words in the background in a way that you can't easily detect them unless you slow that down and look for yourself. And the subconscious mind picks up on it. And then later on, they can tell you exactly what they want you to do. And you're going to comply, even if you have a sense that something's not right. Subconscious mind is always the target. And once they shut off your consciousness using the screen, then you can blindly accept that information. And before you know it, you're wearing a mask everywhere you go.
1: I have a uh, going-on seven-year-old daughter, and it's a huge transition that I've personally noticed myself between TikTok and media, different forms of media nowadays. Um, they're trying to sexualize kids and make them grow up faster. Like, there was one particular day that I was at Target, and it was the middle of winter, and uh, I was looking for a sweater for my daughter. And like I said, she was, at the at the time, probably like five. But every single sweater that I found... For her size were like crop top sweaters and kind of just things that kids normally wouldn't wear because there's not really a reason to wear a crop top sweater during the middle of winter when it's like 10 degrees outside. So there's this whole subconscious programming of the youth to sexualize them and make them grow up faster from what I've seen. And everybody from every generation can see this buildup for sure that um, it seems like each generation grows up faster. And I feel like there's there's other there's, there's sinister reasons for that happening. And I'm sure that the people doing it full well know what they're doing, especially ushering into this era of what seems to be a lot of pedophilia within the culture.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm glad you're saying that because that's kind of, uh, that's kind of pushing me in the direction. That I'm, I'm wrapping up my series on narcissism, the real pandemic on my Instagram page. And i was wondering what topic should I address next and I, I've been leaning towards the attack on kids, even though there's an attack on everybody. It seems like right now they're really uh, zooming in on the kids and it, you know, I'm not going to allow it. I don't, I just, I don't see how any, any person, whether they're asleep or awake or whatever, regardless how they can sit there and just allow this and think that this is normal,
1: right? You'd be surprised. There's a lot of people around me. I see with, uh, with their kids that, either one or blind to this or two, they just don't care or three, like you were saying, they think that's what it's what everybody else is doing. But I've been on the the far side pushback where I've gotten to the point now where I go to like Salvation Army to buy clothes for my daughter because they're not new age clothes. Cause all these new age clothes and different things for kids are so, like I said, sexualized and even within media for even adults coming onto that whole pedophilia topic. Um, like I just watched the Jimmy Savile uh, documentary they had on Netflix and I feel like a lot of the time, even during like the Epstein one, they did they tried to uh, humanize these people who are into pedophilia, and they almost try to yep. make it seem like oh this is bad, but at the same time you have to understand where they're coming from. They had a troubled home, like they're trying to trying to rationalize all of this sexualizing of kids, even with adults.
0: Yep, and that's uh, that's maladaptive compassion and maladaptive empathy, and pretty much any any expression of uh, emotional reasoning like that can be. Made to be maladaptive. And that's uh, one of the issues that I have with the new age agenda because it's just the same thing as religion, except because they tell you that you have like spirit guides or some other rule shit. And it takes people outside of their ability to critically think. It's another control mechanism. And so it trains people with the idea that, you know, maybe your cashier at the store is having a bad day and that's why she's grumpy well you know if you haven't lived life in a way that you've also had a bad day and you can empathically relate to what's going on with other people then perhaps you're a fucking psychopath like why you know everybody has bad days right and if you haven't reached a point as an adult where you can look at someone else and realize that their behavior has nothing to do with you then you've got a lot of internal work yet to do and to have a meme telling you that that's the reason and having these things repeat over and over, well, what is the definition of the word meme? It's a mind virus. And they push these things like compassionate empathy on people so that later on they can accept the psychological manipulation and the mind control when, like you said, you watch the Jimmy Savile or the uh, Jeffrey Epstein documentaries and then you start trying to put yourself empathically in the shoes of a criminal and a rapist and a pedophile right
1: there's a lot of that too not even just with pedophilia but there's a lot of like true crime documentaries that they do especially on netflix where it's like from the perspective of the person that murdered the other person trying to create sympathy for doing violent acts whether it be sexuality towards kids or just violence in general
0: oh absolutely it's in everything you remember that movie um What's that fucking movie that it was? It was a Pixar movie with the Gru was the character, the big guy.
1: Oh, uh, Despicable uh, Me.
0: Despicable Me, yeah. So they, you see how they used his character to show kids that even though he's the evil villain, he's still a human being, and so they're creating maladaptive compassion in the kids. And you know the minions are are his slaves, and he treats them like shit, right? And they're normalizing this behavior. They, they groom you in so many different ways. And there's no other way to say it other than the humans have always been hypnotized by the media and they've always been kept under the thumb of the government. And it's, it's a difficult thing because there's so much stuff on the outside of us that we have to process in every single day that we're essentially mentally beaten into submission. So by the time, we have any few minutes to ourselves we can barely take a breath and if you don't know the things that i know then you easily get overwhelmed and get sucked into any agenda it's either politics sports music tv it's always something that's trying to pull you in the direction of some negative subconscious program and Lot of they try to justify that.
1: mental illness, too. I feel like uh, that's one thing today that they try to, rather than people actually self-building themselves to become better, they almost say that like mental illness is okay at this point because it's almost like they know that it's part of the program they've been doing, and again, they're trying to do it intentionally, and that's why they're trying to even normalize just people with mental illness to the point where I feel like almost everybody thinks they have some type of mental illness.
0: Yeah, that's exactly what it is, man. You hit the nail right on the head there, and um, you have these hypnotic commands like it's okay to not be okay that are the primary programming device and the propaganda which cause people to justify the reason why they, they just really shouldn't do anything else to better themselves. Most people are concerned with just feeling better momentarily rather than actually doing better, and... Again, the people who hurt us like sheep on the fucking human farm, they know this. And they use everything against us to uh, convince us that we are unworthy and we need their help somehow by a pill (laughs) or some other stupid solution. Uh, Shock therapy or whatever the fuck else is out there, right? So um, people also have what's called a cognitive distortion and there's a little, there's like three to four hundred cognitive distortions. Now, cognitive distortion is a mental filter in which we pass information through it. So it's kind of like making lemonade, and you put the, you squeeze the lemon through a sieve so that you don't get seeds in your cup or whatever the case is. And we live life in that way. So we have um, cognitive distortions that are very simple, which are like all-or-nothing thinking or black-and-white thinking. Where the kids have that a lot. So they learn that I'm bad because this thing happened, or I'm good because this thing happened. Adults do it just as much. Um, We minimize things in our heads. That's another distortion. But most importantly, we have one that specifically says there's something wrong with me. And so it looks for problems in the external world to pass information through that filter and then justify the reasons why there's something wrong in our lives or there's something wrong with me as a person. So when we're not feeling well, we start to feel sad or we're a bit anxious that something's gonna happen and it continues on because we don't do anything about it. We don't challenge the thoughts that are coming up in our heads. Then we go to some idiot in a butcher coat that tells us that there is something wrong with us and we willingly accept a social label like depressed. And haven't you ever noticed that as soon as a person gets a, a label like they have depression, or generalized anxiety disorder, or something else, they immediately wear it like a, a fucking dress.
1: Yeah, literally, because... anytime anything happens, that's there. Oh, I have this. Oh, I have this. Not even realizing, yeah. too, that the medications that they're given are making their brain even more thrown off, where it can't self-regulate itself, because now it's used to having these external chemicals flowing through it in order to make it feel the way that you want to feel, versus being able right. to regulate and do it yourself.
0: Right. That's absolutely 100% it. And um, there's never been found any evidence whatsoever that supports the notion that depression is a chemical imbalance. It's a lie. It's a blatant outright lie. And if you question any psychologist or psychiatrist on it, they will lose their shit because they've just been told that and they have to believe it or they lose their jobs. And there's no evidence anywhere that actually suggests that that's true. And anybody that wants to know more about that, rather than me talk about that for four to five hours, there's a website, cchr.org, Citizens Commission for Human Rights, where one of the the leading uh, psychiatrists in the world and his colleagues got tired of the bullshit and created a bunch of documentaries exposing what goes on in the psychology industry. And so long story short, the psychology industry was formed in 1936 to create the situations we just spoke about, keep people in a culture of disempowerment, keep them outside of their sovereignty and keep them dumbed down on medication all the time.
1: Do you think that that's partly linked also to things that Disney's trying to do? Because one thing in particular that I've noticed is that they try to do this like uh, like death trauma is the best way to describe it. Where almost every Disney movie, there within the first 10 minutes, there's a parent that dies. And I feel like as a child, even watching this when like we were kids, like, it instills trauma and fear that, one, our parents might die. And two, it kind of starts setting you up to be looking for like an outside source to look at as a parent, like almost like it's intentionally done by the state in order for you to comply and look at them as like a, like a bigger external parent if anything happens to your parents.
0: That's absolutely it because human beings have this uh, thing where they need to be led. And once again, that's coming from the subconscious impulse to scan the environment for safety. So if you're teaching a young kid that um, they already know when, they, when they're with their parents that their parents are there to protect them and guide them and lead them. Then when they see that in a Disney movie, it breaks their psyche in a way that for the rest of their life, subconsciously they're expecting someone to come and pick up pieces for them when anything happens. And they're trained, like you said, to not know what to do without authority and leadership.
1: And that's usually how it goes too. In most of the movies, is that the parent passes away, and then there's an external uh, person that comes in and says, "Like, hey, I can lead you. I can show you the way." So it's funny exactly. you mentioned because it it's to the T.
0: Exactly, and that's a big part of propaganda. It's to get you to rely on cult mentality, and uh, that's how brainwashing works. Um, in brainwashing, there's of just a few steps but one of them is always isolation but isolation doesn't have to be physically you can mentally isolate a person once you target their subconscious mind and you can sell to them the idea that um, they're alone in this world and they need someone to, to lean on if you will
1: yeah rather than being able to become independent all on their own they start looking for somebody else to guide them
0: absolutely Absolutely. And I mean, even the way that we are told to lead our children, there's such a thing as parental mind control. You know, so many of us end up living mediocre fucking lives because of the unreasonable expectations and uh, conditioning that we get from our parents. Like parents try to decide what's best for kids in some of the most unhealthy ways. And that's not really parenting. It's not uh, being loving and kind. It's manipulation, right? And um, subconsciously, when we get manipulated by our parents' indoctrination, then we're going to play out with the subconscious programs that come from them. And chances are they probably get their subconscious programs from their parents and from other sources, from the news, you know, fucking Oprah's book club, you name it. They're going to get all of these bad programs and then put them into their kids. And kids are the most susceptible to subconscious manipulation from parents or their peer groups or toxic family systems. Kids are the most susceptible to the music and the television and the movies and the news media. And so, you know, it's difficult when you have kids because if you haven't guarded your consciousness, then it's going to be really tough to guard the consciousness of some other little being that just got here. Right. Sure. And, um, you know, there's different forms of mind control and brainwashing is one of the most popular ones. Hypnosis is another one. Uh, Manipulation is another, and there's persuasion and deception. And like you were talking about earlier, brainwashing is just a process of convincing somebody to give up their current or past beliefs in order to take in new beliefs and values. So that's exactly what you were describing when you talked about the death trauma, right? Yep. It doesn't take a lot to convince someone because, like I explained before, the kids looking at the fucking movie screen and within 60 to 90 seconds, their brains shut off. So they just accept that information. And then we become these big adult kids that really don't know anything. So there's so many things I could say about brainwashing and and, um, how that all works. It's just it's usually just around some basic steps, which is to break down the person's sense of self. You have to break the identity of the, the adult or the child, and that causes them to be open to a new identity, kind of like the death trauma. thing. And, and all you have to do is attack their existing sense of self. All you have to do is attack their ego or their core beliefs and make them think that everything that they know up until this point is false. And then you give them Information that pretty much replaces that and solves the problem for them. And it doesn't even, it used to be like, it used to be a process that would take days and months, but the technology that we have is so advanced that it, it's instantaneous these days.
1: Even looking at a simple, very relatable one for I'm sure a lot of people, uh, looking at people's lives online, looking at people's lives in a movie, um, it gives you a false sense of imperfection that. You're like, why can't my life be like that? So then you start acting out, trying to be, you know, like these famous people or like people in movies. And little do you know that, you know, what's really going on behind the scenes that, you know, a lot of people are like watching the Kardashians or something. They think they're like the most perfect family, but there's a lot of different things going on behind the scenes that I'm sure are a lot worse than normal families, but everybody looks at them as like a standard of comparison and wonders why their life isn't like that. So they're being programmed to, keep buying material items because they want to keep up with the Joneses, so to speak, or, you know, they want to uh, try these methods with their kids because some famous person was like, Hey, this is great for my kids. And all it takes is just that, uh, that influence that everybody looks up to. And even just adults are more susceptible to say, yeah, I'm going to try that with my kid. If it's coming from a celebrity, they know, even though that celebrity might be the same age and not have any more life wisdom than you have yourself.
0: Yeah. You're so right with that. You know, like, Like I just told you, the first step is to break down the person's self. And so when you're watching television, even if it's a short commercial, all of these things kind of have these hidden steps in them. So you can break that person's identity by attacking their, their current identity right off the bat in a short commercial. And it causes mental exhaustion. It causes confusion. And what happens next is the second goes into the second phase. And when people feel guilt and shame, like you were talking about, then that guilt and shame can be used to convince the person that they're bad somehow. And if a person is fundamentally insecure on any level inside, then the TV can tell them who they are at any point during the day for any reason and get them to do just about anything. And the thing about the television that's really insidious is that it has a way of presenting ideas like this is what everyone else is doing. And so the subconscious mind goes, aha, that's that safety shit I really like," And it automatically takes over those programs, right? And the guilt and shame helps make sure that you feel so ashamed if you don't carry out these instructions or if you don't buy this product or if you don't act how this movie character or a cartoon character acts, then you, know, you, you don't really have any other choice but to, to emulate those behaviors. And then the next step in that is the people that do this know this so well because they know that once you're in a position of self-betrayal, which is the state of mind that the, the shame and the guilt creates, you can then keep yourself under a threat of physical harm or some perceived danger, and that'll make you give up your identity completely. And a good example of that actually comes from the new age philosophy. This is where people take on new belief systems using hypnotic commands. You know, when you see on memes, like walk away from everything that no longer serves you. Or, you know, shit from the motivation and success or mindset, personal development uh, community. Where where they tell you that, you know, whoever doesn't operate with your new beliefs is bad for you and you must discard them, right? You've got to cut off all, all the people who don't agree with you you've got to set boundaries. Setting boundaries is a massive psyop that's going on right now. So I was just, before I move on, I want to say I'm being clear here. Before we had the boundaries boundary setting concept, before we had that psyop, we actually used to either talk with people until we reached the breaking point, or you'd go outside and you roll around with them on the ground and have a good old fist fight and you solve your problems. And at the end of it, you decide, okay, well, we've had this discussion or we've had this fight, is it really healthy for either of us to be in this relationship, whatever it is, whatever the context, whatever the details, any further? If the answer is no, then you would peacefully make the conclusion together that it's not worth pursuing it because you're just too different to where you can't even see each other's differences. And maybe somewhere along the line, life would happen and you would grow in some way and you'd you'd lap that person again on the path. And you realize, you know, why did we ever, Hate each other to begin with and you work things out. These days, everybody's so sensitive and everybody's so brainwashed by the meme culture and the TV and the movies and the music where when they tell you to set radical boundaries with somebody because you don't like the things that they do, what you're really saying and what you've learned is that this other person isn't like me and therefore they're wrong, they're bad, and I don't want them around me because I feel uncomfortable because I cannot at a deep level accept myself and therefore I cannot accept themselves, them either. And it's, it's very insidious. It, so when you can get people to break down like that and you can break down the family system and break down the friend circle and break down compassion and break down empathy and break down reasoning, then you can put people in any position of isolation. And once they're isolated, well, subconsciously they know that they're not a part of a tribe because it's just them and maybe it might be just them and a handful of other people, but they're always looking for a bit more than that subconsciously and so they're open to suggestion because they're afraid. And that takes you to the next step of the brainwashing process because now they're questioning who they actually are, they're questioning where they are, they're questioning what they should do, and they're full on into an identity crisis, which is being fueled by that same shame and guilt. And that's why a lot of people have these huge mental breakdowns or, you know, you can do anything to these people because they, they've got anxiety, they got, they've got depression, they're frustrated with life, and the only thing that they want now is a solution. And so that's when big daddy government or, you know, some fool in a butcher coat, doctor or psychiatrist or psychologist or whoever, fucking pharmacist, sometimes comes along and they offer you a solution. And it's, it's always the person that offers you the solution that's probably trying to brainwash you in some way. They're offering to save you or solve your problems by telling you that you, know, you can have all the happiness and all the prosperity and all the abundance and all the other trigger words that are out there if you just turn away from your values and your current beliefs and your current self-concept by fully embracing these new ideas. So they tell him, you know, everything will be all right. I'll help you if you just walk away from your friends and your family and your belief systems. You can trust me, right? And it's, you know, these things happen on such small levels that it just, it doesn't have to be a a Nazi concentration camp anymore. It can be just a sitcom on TV that you like to watch.
1: So with this type of concept, do you think that this is kind of hinting towards what the trans movement is right now, and do you think that a lot of media propaganda has played a huge factor into this whole trans movement, as far as people just not feeling like they're in a proper place, so they feel the need to drastically change themselves to fit in as part of another group because they never fit in in their own group?
0: Oh man, <laughs> pretty much. I mean, I get I get a lot of flack for saying this. Things like being gay and being a part of the trans community and stuff all of that subconscious
1: and i usually like to separate the two because i feel like uh those groups are very different and i kind of hate how society today kind of puts them together because i feel like they're they're definitely very different groups where a lot of like the uh the freedom fighters as far as like the gay movement went want and have no part to do with this this new age trans movement
0: yeah i understand that and if I can make the distinction, it's still a subconscious thing because your sexual urges and your sexual choices come from your subconscious, it comes from your unconscious. And if you can hack a, a kid through a Disney movie and sell these concepts, then you can get more and more people to play out those programs later on in life. Like I had a friend who was the most hard-backed masculine man I ever met in, his, in my life. And one day, the guy just decided, you know what, I think I'm gay. And I'm, I'm minimizing this a little bit, by the way, just so you and the listeners know. And he automatically shifted behavior. So within, within a day, he went from, I'm a normal straight man who likes women. And he had a bad breakup or something. And then suddenly, he's gay now. He thinks he's gay women are gross and he's gone from being walking upright and walking like a macho man you know the way that men usually walk they carry themselves a particular way
1: yeah broad shoulders
0: he went from that to snapping his fingers in the shape of an s and walking like a woman flaring off his hands all kinds of stuff like that and so if that isn't an indication as to what's going on under the surface then what more do I need to say does that make sense to you
1: yeah no definitely and that's, and that's so, my view kind of on, it, this, on this trans movement a lot of the time too is that it's like a quick snap that people are just trying to fit into a community even though they may not fully feel that way but they find comfort within that that they might find a group of people that have the same views as them even if it's like almost like a group of outcasts that didn't fit in anywhere else they kind of tried to start their own movement and try to be completely different from everybody else to find comfort yeah
0: that. yeah and um you know they try to use false history to justify these things. When you know none, none of the history that they use is actually true. It's all stuff that's coming from the TV, the government, the media, and there there's always, like I said before, there's always this thing that TV tricks you into thinking that there is a larger amount of people uh, doing this one thing than what's actually going on. And there's power in that, but not only that. There's all these chemicals in the food. We all know about atrazine at this point. We know that there's at least 500 other chemicals in the water supply in any given country at any given moment that are affecting us on a a subconscious level. There's another uh, good
1: example that everybody likes to talk about.
0: Yeah, and I want to say two things about that because in order for you to understand how uh, homosexuality and also the trans things have a subconscious component, I have to explain to you how the subconscious might actually works in the body on a cellular level, okay? So, when you have any subconscious program, it's communicating to your cells directly, okay? So I want to make sure that I can break this down in an easy, digestible way, because I'm pretty sure that a lot of people will get angry about this and stop listening to your podcast.
1: <laughs> hey, man, my whole thing here is full freedom of speech and people trying to get their message across. So whatever needs to be yeah. said, I'm the type that I feel like it should be said, and it will resonate with some people and may not with others. And my view on it, and I hope that it would be for a lot of the listeners, is uh, no, no more cancel culture type concept. If you don't enjoy this episode, don't listen to it. Check out the next one. It'll be completely different.
0: Yeah, we are not. So what we're, what we're actually saying is we're not saying that these people on any level are inherently bad. This is where compassion and empathy in the true sense come into things, because you have to understand that they are people who are being targeted by an insidious agenda. And so I know plenty of people and that I, that I love dearly that are in their 40s to 50s who are Homosexual, or who have gone through these challenges with the trans thing, and it's been a lifelong struggle of mentally trying to figure out: Is this really true for me? Is my identity, as I see it at this point, really true for me? And they, you know, when they ask me about it and stuff, I try not to push all of the science and stuff on them unless they ask about it. But there's one thing that we can agree on: it's that. A straight man never has to question whether he's a straight man. And the same thing goes for a straight woman, right? So when you're questioning your sexuality, it's not really you doing the thinking. Something's occurring on a cellular level. Some change to your DNA has been made that causes the cells to fire off in a confused manner. It's a confusing set of information. And we have receptors in our body for every cell. So from the time your parents uh, do the do and you're conceived up until whatever age you're at right now, you've been constantly receiving programming and it is being stored in your cells. So just because you receive a program doesn't mean that it plays out today. It can have a particular stimulus that triggers it. And you could pick up that program from a Disney movie. You could pick up that program from a parent. It could be anything. A bad experience could happen when you're a little kid and you exercised your black and white thinking and you made yourself wrong in some way. And so later on in life, a similar situation happens. And so you run a program. I just want to make sure that that's clear.
1: Yeah, it's like you take previous knowledge and then you recycle it to use it in the current situation.
0: Absolutely. And so this is the kicker. These receptors are always expecting certain information of both a particular quality, a particular quantity, and within a certain context or circumstance to be connected to or communicated to these cells. And the cells in themselves are like mini computers that have a hard drive. So if the subconscious mind is a hard drive that stores programs, it's almost like that one terabyte USB hard drive that's not connected to your computer that tr- like sends additional programs and uh, additional information to your computer in order to tell you what to do. Right. I hope, I hope that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. So um, these cell receptors are also responsible for nutrition information and hormonal information. Okay, so this is what science tells us. And I want to make that distinction very clear because it's this is not an argument for or against anything. I'm simply giving people the information that they can think about, because it's one thing to make a serious life choice for yourself and blindly do so and live in the energy of that for the rest of your life life. And think that you're thinking for yourself. And then there's another thing to have all the actual information about the body, how it works, the subconscious mind, how it works, and how it dictates our behavior and life choices. And then still make those choices. Because now you're in critical thinking. Now you've really thought about it. And now you're actually making choices based on your own independent thought. Is that correct? Yeah. So when these cells are... are, communicating and they're taking in the nutritional information and the hormonal information, they're receiving, releasing, and allowing for chemicals and other information to bind or dock to them. And that's important because the cells need that to function at 100%. So if you experience a particular emotion, it's hardwired into the cells through these receptors. And that's how we get trained with certain behaviors. Because if we are exposed to something and there's that Death trauma, or it's the guilt and the shame or fear coming from some other place, it's communicating information about that to the And a good example I like to give is that if you grow up in a house where your family members, or one of them even, has depression or anxiety, and you have constant contact with this person in a way that it's programming your subconscious mind, then there's a decent chance that you now have receptors. Which are designed to cause depression or anxiety, at some random point in your life.
1: I feel like it's the so same anger too. That if you grow up in a household that's full of anger, like if you have like a father that likes to punch holes in drywall, for example, you kind of you recycle that behavior in your own life when you become older, or you catch the error in the behavior and you completely go the other way, and you're almost like afraid to exert any type of violence or anger towards anything.
0: Yeah, when you when it comes down to anger and stuff like that, anger comes up usually because there's an outcome that you're not getting. There's a need that's unmet. And you can't figure out how to get that because something's blocking that. And so you punch a hole in the drywall, you know. And we learn these things as coping mechanisms because anger is really trying to tell us where we need to go and look for, for some solution to get the thing that we actually want, the outcome that we actually want. It causes uh, critical thinking or it's supposed to cause critical thinking. But let me get back to what I was saying, because depression and anxiety are common things. And so is something like my friend who grew up being the macho guy. And then one day to the next, he was suddenly walking, talking and dressing differently. That was fired off in his cells. Information from the surroundings was communicated due to a stimulus in his environment, which caused him to play out that pre-programmed instruction does that make sense because his cells were trained to respond to pre-programmed instructions yeah and the thing about it is is that when you're dealing with someone who's really young who says that maybe they're bisexual or maybe they are swinging towards one particular opposite sex right mm mm-hmm. All of that's dictated in the cells. So whether you're a straight man who loves women, or you're a straight woman who loves men, your cells are hardwired. Your DNA is hardwired to express those programs. Is this making sense?
1: Yeah, like it's it's the it's the natural natural programming too. Because obviously, any species' number one priority is to reproduce, and in order to continue on the life of that species, and not even looking at it from like a personal standpoint, that's just nature's standpoint. That if we're not reproducing there's no more life so it's inheritedly something that everybody is instilled to do is to reproduce themselves unless they you know have a lot of outside factors that cause them to uh change their mind and reconstruct and change their programming
0: absolutely and so if someone is just making a choice because they feel this is the language that's used to program people with it if you feel like a potato today then that's okay and tomorrow if you feel like a tomato, then that's okay, too. This is what they're teaching the kids. But this is the same lingo that was used when we were kids and generations before that, when more and more people who, who were leaning towards homosexuality and those kinds of things were popping up. They, these things become normalized and downloaded into the culture. And people are told that these are now options that you have and programmed with these ideas on a cellular and a DNA level. And then you have the chemical components, because if it's affecting your cell's ability to literally understand what's happening in the nutritional content of the food that you're taking in, and the hormonal information that you're receiving from the food that you're taking in because the food is poison and the water is poison, right? And then your mind goes on to be poisoned. Then what do you think is going to happen to that person? They're going to succumb to a subconscious program which is not native to the male or female dna does that make sense to you
1: yeah and it, i mean i was going to mention too there's just a lot of subliminal things within things too uh like for example um like my daughter loves the movie i believe it's called in- enchanto I-, I always say it wrong but i believe it's it's enchanto not Enchanto or whatever it is but there's a very like muscular uh, woman in that movie and everybody looks at it from like a progressive standpoint, like, oh, that's good, that's good. And I've been sitting here, like, hey, no, I've, there's there's some other programming to this. Like, there's an intention behind this. They're trying to normalize muscular women, in the sense of like, the men that become women are. They're trying to normalize that because obviously there's a lot of pushback with that at the moment. And when they release movies like this, it's almost trying to normalize the concept of muscular, like man like women, so that people will be more acceptable to people that were men that became women.
0: Absolutely, man. And I have to say this at this point, I only do this work because I have a great love for people. I'm not doing this because it makes a lot of money because it doesn't. <laughs> I'm not doing this because it, uh, there's some need for me to be right about any of this. I'm not doing this because I have any hang-ups against any one particular thing. I'm doing this because I have a great love for people. And I realized that all the problems I've ever had in my life were caused by some subconscious program. There's, there was something being fired off that was causing me to act in a way that I thought I was in control of my thinking and I was being psychologically manipulated or emotionally manipulated by the outside world. And once I figured this out, I realized I've got to spread the word. There are other people talking about this. And the world always needs one more in this uh, you know in this field to help people understand that whatever it is you choose for yourself is perfectly fine and you're hundred percent valid in choosing what you choose for yourself, as long as you are actually making the choice and it is not pre-programmed and it's not as a result of blackmail and bullying and manipulation and gaslighting and brainwashing, right?
1: Yeah, I completely agree with that because that's kind of my view on it too. I don't have any problem with any group of people, but my issue is, again, like you said, the people that were brainwashed into being part of the group that they're in where they didn't come up with the decision on their own because I know a handful of people that I frequently more so talk about it's my girlfriend, but uh, I believe that they're, they've been brainwashed to be how they are now uh, through all means of society even a couple particular people with like antidepressants and then they're also part of uh that the trans community and stuff like that it's all i feel like pre-programmed for them and they, they don't see that and they think it's totally acceptable to try to be this other person that i don't feel that they actually are but they're doing it out of again being subconsciously programmed to do so yeah,
0: absolutely, and I know there's going to be people that are going to flip out about this and be like, "Oh, you're a hater," and I, but that's absolutely not true. And I can refer you to any number of my homosexual or trans friends, who we love each other dearly, and you know we have an understanding. You know, they choose to do what they do, and I, and I choose to do what I do, and there's absolutely no cross of beliefs whatsoever because they actually understand what i'm saying and they just choose not to get involved and once you can reach a person who's actually at that level of maturity and strength of character then you have help in just about every possible way that you can and there's there's only love there you understand what i'm saying
1: yeah no my Uh, people i I agree my my issue when it comes down to everything honestly is just sexuality being pushed on children and I know people are going to th- think I'm sound insensitive for saying that. But I believe that, you know, there's children don't need to know their teacher's sexual orientation. They don't need to learn about sexual orientation, like maybe middle school, whatever. But like all the stuff that's getting pushed into elementary school, uh, I heard about there was a teacher that came out to like his kindergarten class. Like there's there's no need for for things like that. Like there's no need for those for those kids to be having those ideas thrown into their head that early. Because I know for me, for example, as a kid, I didn't even care if my teacher was married to anybody. So be it heterosexual, homosexual, transsexual, I feel like all the sexualities should be left out of the children's view as far as schooling goes. Because that should at least be the, you know, the whole school system is a whole other episode that needs to be, you Mm -hmm. know, done. But, you know, like not pushing that stuff onto the kids because that should be like, a safe zone where they shouldn't be exploiting sexuality like even my uh my daughter who's in kindergarten i uh, came up to her computer and she does online school and uh she was i do a lot of the online school stuff with her but she had one particular or it's, it's every day she does about an hour and a half two hours with the actual teacher where i'm not necessarily involved with it and there was one particular day that they were talking about like uh like gay pride parades and stuff like that and it's like it is what it is, but like, there's no reason for a kindergartner to be learning about a gay pride parade. There, like, there's there's no reason for that. They're they're programming stuff into their heads without even realizing it. And there's a lot of people that are part of this agenda without even realizing that they're part of this agenda.
0: Yeah, we are absolutely on the same page as that. And I've done whew, some some comprehensive research, and I'm still going on things like this um, because children learn by imitative and interactive learning. And so what that really means is that they will mirror any behavior that they see automatically, no question. So as you rec- as you correctly said, children don't need to have sexuality of any kind projected onto them. They don't need to be told about the birds and the bees or any of that stuff at all because kids innately know what to do when that time comes. Does that make sense? Yeah. They may ask their parent for guidance on that. And that's actually the natural way of doing things. Before we were all herded into government indoctrination camps called school, Mm -hmm. we would figure those things out ourselves. And when we had a question, we would ask whoever was our, our primary caregiver, what does this mean? What do these urges mean? These things that I'm feeling, can you explain that to me? And kids had a great level of insight to ask that. But as soon as you put these kids in these indoctrination camps, then, you have no control whatsoever what's being uh, pushed on them and so they are just basically subject to this interactive and imitative learning and that's not okay on any level
1: like I've always said that they kind of do this whole one word or one answer type of education system where they they don't want to express the idea that there could be multiple answers to the same question. They want you to think in the same patterns and the same waves as everybody else and that everything is black and white and that there's one answer to everything.
0: Right. And every circumstance is just, there's infinite possibility within every circumstance. And when you take away a person's ability to critically think for themselves, then they can't take full authority for themselves and they can't take Uh, all of the opportunities that are presented to themselves and weigh them against each other and and make a a decent choice. People have come so far outside of being able to leverage the options that they have in life and they blindly go along with whatever's being presented to them. And the reason why this thing with targeting children is not okay is because there's a, a program called Comprehensive Sexuality Education that is in schools now. And it's definitely not even the birds and the bees. It's not anything that you and I would have learned at school, which actually went on in some ways to approach the learning about sex in a a careful way. Like all of that's gone through the window for decades now. It's been creeping into schools over a long period of time, bit by bit and before that we had things like guidance counselors and stuff like that that would help to shape the minds of children in a healthy and positive way where those things were concerned if they had any questions apart from what they could ask a parent that was the the primary function of those things But comprehensive sexuality education is actually a form of conditioning that was created to uh, foster these I don't know. I don't even know how to say it. I'm just going to say it's a risky sexual misconduct and abnormal sexual preferences and abnormal sexual behaviors. You and could even also, call it grooming. I, I was about to I was I was about to say it, it distorts the concept of biological gender. And there's no age limit on it whatsoever. It's primarily responsible for the sexualizing of children. And what the sexualizing of children actually does is it, it threatens the child's mental health. And then, you know, if the kid goes on to get some kind of sexually transmitted disease later on in life, then it would have created a, a threat to that child's physical health. And all, what it's doing is it's manipulating kids psychologically to adopt dangerous gender ideologies. And it's very undermining, like you said, to the parent and child relationship,
1: right? And the farther we go into, it seems like they're trying to separate, uh, I don't want to say separate completely like children from their parents, but they're trying to almost be like a second parent to the kids where I was even hearing this concept about like transition closets and stuff like that. And uh, like pretty much the idea is that the kid can come to school in the approved clothes by their parents. And then once they get into here, they can change and be whoever they want to be. But having outside factors like that that are almost trying to parent your kid isn't something that should be done nowadays. Like It was different when it was like a village would raise a, a child back in the day because that village may only be like you know, 15, 20 people, 50 people. But now it's like there's so many thousands and thousands of people trying to instill their own ideas into your child. It's almost like a, it's, it's a scary thing. And a community can't raise a child anymore because there's way too many ideas getting thrown at that child. And realistically, they only need a small handful of ideas in order to kind of flow through and start to understand things but when you have a child that's in kindergarten and you're throwing out like 500 different sexualities at a child like it's it's an overload and they don't know how to quite understand the concepts that they're being taught
0: yeah man it, it, it's it's ridiculous because before all of this stuff was happening in schools uh, about the the transgender and all that stuff and uh all the other lgbt things that uh get projected onto kids as well where like like you were talking about the teacher that came to school and, and came out to the kids like they don't need to know any of that kind of stuff but it's been in the disney movies and stuff like that and cartoons for a long long time, time.
1: And I've noticed even in that- commercials it's very rare to see a, a straight couple nowadays because it seems like everybody's trying to progress into this virtue signaling type concept so almost every commercial it's very rare now that you see just like a normal heterosexual couple because they're trying to accommodate a whole other group of people rather than like the average person, not realizing that that's like a smaller percentage of the world rather than like the bigger percentage, which would be heterosexual.
0: Yeah, it's crazy. There's a lady called Judith Reisman, and uh, she's a she has a PhD in psychiatry or something like that, and something to do with children's education, I believe. I could be wrong about that. But basically what she says is that when a kid looks at a pornographic image, within three-tenths of a second, that image is imprinted in that kid's brain permanently, right? And when you're watching a Disney movie and you have the neuro-linguistic programming going on, the, hip, the hypnotizing of a child, and you have uh, sexual images that are embedded in the content somewhere, or even if that kid watches a commercial and there's like sexual innuendo and sexual underlying themes or anything like that that kid's psyche is changed forever point blank there's no there's nothing that you can do about it to take that back right yeah
1: exactly so
0: it, to make things worse imagine if your kid comes home from school and they tell you that they learned that you know hey little timmy what'd you learn at school today and they tell you oh my teacher told me that uh i can express my feelings towards someone through oral sex or anal sex or by touching their genitals like what the hell would you do i would be loading my shotgun that guy yeah like exactly. like kids like i've said this so many times kids minds work in all or nothing or black and white thinking so when a teacher says that saying to someone uh i like you is equal to anal sex. Then the child is going to take that very literally, right? If I like you equals oral sex or grabbing, you know, doing the Donald Trump thing and grabbing them by the pussy, then little Timmy is in a whole lot of trouble because he's going to start acting in sexually inappropriate ways uh, towards other people.
1: Yeah, it's normalizing it going back to that concept.
0: Yeah, and behind that, there's something called the International Planned Parenthood Federation, the IPPF, and they're massively responsible for this agenda. They're actually in over 170 countries, and the whole curriculum is about dictating to kids what consent sounds like. So it's targeted at kids who are not even remotely close to the age of consent, and they're teaching these kids things like, it makes me hot when you touch me here. Can you do that? Or they're teaching kids how to say to the other kid, is it okay if I take my pants off? And, and none of this is appropriate in any way for any reason whatsoever.
1: It's funny you mention that, so, too, because I've noticed recently almost every kid's cartoon, there's a part where somebody's, like, naked for a split second, like, oh, and covers it up real quick. Almost like it's normalizing that.
0: Uh-huh. Just another... Yeah programming
1: <laughs> that you find within a lot of disney movies too like somebody that's naked wearing a barrel for example yeah but <laughs> i say i don't mean to uh start <laughs> comb- 20, yeah. but i'd definitely love to uh do another another part where maybe we can deep dive more so into uh the children aspect of this but uh we're starting to run out of time so um one thing i always love to do is uh do some words of wisdom so After this whole great conversation we've had, what is some words of wisdom that you would like to leave, say, the parents and the kids with?
0: Well, you know, man, I got to leave you with this quote first. It's the lips of wisdom are closed except for the ears of understanding. Uh, And what that means is that for both the kids and the adults, you have to do everything that you can in your power. And you have a lot of power. Trust me, you have a lot of power to try to understand the things that are going on in the world. Question everything, even question everything that I'm saying to you because I'm just giving you what hundreds of years of science have told us so that you can make better informed decisions for yourself. But wisdom always comes with the application of knowledge. But you can't apply knowledge that you don't have. And you can't apply knowledge that doesn't belong to you. So if you're taking in knowledge from outside sources, Sit and have a good think about it, even if it means you have to take the time to take notes because you don't understand. Even if it means you listen to this podcast or any other podcast or there's somebody on Instagram that's saying this thing, wherever you're getting your information from, contact that person directly and ask for more help understanding. In your relationship, interpersonal or at work, ask for more understanding because there's absolutely no need for any of us to be in conflict with anybody over anything. When there's a simple question that you can ask, like, I don't understand what you are saying. Can you please explain this to me in greater detail? Does that make sense to you, Shane?
1: Yeah, of course. And the problem I feel like nowadays, too, has to do with the fact that a lot of people are triggered when they're asked why they do the things they do. And that's also probably another intentional thing that's been done through the and
0: Communication is always key. And it's, it's a two-way street. So you can't make assumptions about people's intentions and you can't make assumptions about the things that are said and you cannot take anything at face about it. Like everything that I've said here, I'm confident in saying it because it's easier to find than you think, right? So anybody that gets upset when you question information that they give you, they're giving you bad advice.
1: Very true. So for anybody that uh, enjoyed this conversation today, why don't you tell them where they can come and find you?
0: Yeah, if you want to talk to me directly, you can email me at jahantwsator at gmail.com. I'll spell that J-E-H-A-N-T-W-S-A-T-T-A-U-R at gmail. And you can find me on Instagram at sator. So I'll spell that again. j e h a n s a t t a U R.
1: I appreciate you again coming on the show um this has been a great conversation and i hope to do it again soon and maybe we can deep dive a little bit more into uh disney and how our kids are being conditioned through these media. Yeah,
0: absolutely man i'd love to come back on and uh everybody listening can check me out on instagram to see the research that i am putting up on narcissism and to find everything that i've said about subconscious mind and stuff like that i make these very I, well, I try to keep them very simple memes with all of the research that i've done over the years
1: this has been uh, inquiries of our reality thanks again for uh, taking the time to have this conversation and to the listeners thank you for taking the time to listen to this conversation no matter where you are i hope you have a great night and we'll see you in the next one bye everybody